The following audio is from Life Centre Church. For more information, please visit lifecentrechurch.com.au. Well, good morning. How are we? There we go. That feels a little bit better. Uh, it is good to be back. Yes, I do have a bracelet on. Uh, this is created by my wonderful daughter, Keller, and I wear it with pride. And it says love on there, so she's letting me know that she loves me. So there you go. Everyone said? Oh, yeah, don't say amen, just say ah, oh, that's good. Um, it is good to be back. I've had some time uh, of leave. For those of you who don't know, I'm one of the pastors here, and so I've had a few weeks off leave, and then I did a trip with, uh, with Acts 29, going to visit a bunch of our rural church planters, um, so kind of seeing where they are and seeing the context in which they do ministry, which is very, very isolated, very, very far away from everything, uh, and just trying to encourage them to continue to persevere. So that was really, really great. But it was wonderful to be back last week. Uh, and it's good to be back again, to be able to worship. Nothing beats home. I can tell you, as much as I love the joy of going around and seeing other churches and encouraging them, nothing feels like home. And so I just want to say, I love this church. It is so good to be home. Um, and we are, we are glad that we get to be a part of this wonderful church. Um, I've been married 21 years, and I dated my wife uh, for nearly four years before that. And some of you might be in this stage, some of us maybe we've been married and we've been that way for a while, but there's this thing called being like in love. I don't know if you remember that, I don't know, maybe you haven't experienced that yet, but there was a time when when I was definitely in love, like, like when I was like in love, as the culture would call it. Um, I did like really cute in love stuff, right? So like I printed up uh, and typed out myself like all the lyrics to a boys to men song, bought this stupid ugly frame, stack, sort of stuck it in there and then snuck into a house and put it right next to her bedside table with a stupid teddy bear and some chocolates and some flowers. Like I did like, I did like cute in love stuff. Um, I did committed in love stuff. So like when Carly and I committed to get married, uh, we estimated what it was going to cost us to be able to do everything, and then we kind of reverse engineered our budget, and so we lived off, well, I lived off $15 a week spending money. So everything else was like just paying for the fuel, paying for like, so even, even with my, my phone, some of you young people, you have like you have phones and you have unlimited data. Like that didn't exist. We had limited data. So what I would do, because I was so committed in love, is I would call you, hang up, so then you had to call me and go, did you call me? I'm like, I, I did actually, but I accidentally hung up, so let me use your data so I could save all of that data so I could just text her and just tell her, like, like I love you. Um, I did like stupid in love stuff, right? So Carly's an educator, so she did a six-week stint in Bundaberg doing one of her last sort of uh, apprentice-type things up there. And so I took my dad's car without my dad knowing once he'd fallen asleep, which is about 10 o'clock at night, so I could drive all the way to Bundaberg, have like a couple hours with her, then drive all the way back and get the car into the garage before my dad woke up. Right, right. So, so when you're in love, when you're in love, like you do these things. But what ends up happening often in marriages is over time we stop doing the things. And this is a story of the church of God, the people of God were doing some things. They had an affection for the Lord. They had a love for the Lord. And it was causing them to live in such a way that they were doing things. And now they have drifted. And Malachi is coming back and saying, Hey, why have you stopped doing the stupid Bundaberg driving back? Why, do you, why have you stopped that? 
Get back to doing that. It's safe to drive without sleep. <laughs> so, so we've just been as a church, if you've recently joined us, we've been in the book of Daniel where, where they were taken into exile for 70 years. They went into Babylon. Babylonians came in. They took them over. They took them into exile. And God said, look, don't worry. I'm with you. I'm going to prosper you. I have a plan. And God kept his promise. He brought them back. He worked in the heart of Cyrus and he decreed that they could go back. And so after having their temple destroyed, the walls of Jerusalem, like if you've been watching the news, that was their world. It's been destroyed. And so they go back to Jerusalem. They start rebuilding walls. They start rebuilding the temple so they could have what they once had. And somewhere along the line of like the book of Nehemiah, the book of Ezra and Malachi, which we don't know, it's probably just decades, something has gone terribly wrong. And what is in this particular passage we see in verse 2 and verse 3 that it's related to their heart. If you will not listen, if you will not take it to heart, verse 2, verse 3, because you do not lay it to heart. And so God has sent his messenger in Malachi to call them, get back to being in love with Jesus again. And so what he does in this particular part of the passage is he, he wants to particularly look at some leaders, the priests, and he wants to kind of contrast between between the new current leaders that are in Malachi's day and the old leader, one of the old leaders named Levi. And so new, oh now, oh priest, this command is for you. That's the, that's the new, that's the current. And then there's the old. Verse 4, so you shall know that I have sent this command to you that my covenant with Levi may stand. This is where things are now. This is where things used to be. If you've been in marriage counseling with me or you've done premarital, you will know some of these little lines that I have. I've stolen them from somewhere. I don't know. To get what you've never had, you need to do something you've never done. But to get something you once had, you probably need to go back to doing some things you used to do. So often when I'm doing marriage counseling with couples, I'll start with that. Don't tell me just the issues right now. Tell me what it was like when you first dated and just start hearing the stories. And it's interesting, for a couple who are feeling tension, all of a sudden smiles come back. So like, oh, I remember when we used to do that weird, we used to walk on the beach thing, and I don't know if you remember the Denisons, like remember when we used to brush our teeth in the dark, holding hands? Uh, some of you will get that, some of you won't. Uh, the Denisons are never coming back. Um, it's the idea of like, you don't do the corny in love stuff anymore. You don't do the committed in love stuff anymore. You don't do the crazy in love stuff anymore. Let's get back to Levi who did those things, yeah? And so we need to understand a little bit of Levi. Levi, if you remember the story of the Old Testament, uh, God delivers the people out of slavery from the Egyptians and he walks them through like a sea. (laughs) Water gets pushed back and then he feeds them and he looks after all their clothes. He does like incredible things. They eventually get to this this mountain called Mount Sinai, there he kind of reminds him, hey, I've delivered you, now I'm going to give you my law, be my people, and then this is the land. We're going over this way, we're going to go get this land. And when they get to that land, they break up the promised land into these 12 tribes, and, but only 11 actually got portions of land. The tribe of Levi got zero land because they had a particular thing that God graced them with. That is, you guys don't get land, you get temple. And anybody 
Anybody who'd been walking in the wilderness all those years would have went, we'll take temple. <laughs> Couldn't get less about land. If I get to be in the presence of God every day, making sacrifices, getting to be around the word of God, because that's where the word was. The word was in the temple, was in the, in the tabernacle, in the Ark of the Covenant. This is like, well, we get that privilege. That was Levi. Deuteronomy 21 says, Then the priests, the sons of Levi, shall come forward, for the Lord your God has chosen them to minister to him and to bless in the name of the Lord. And by their word, uh, every dispute and every assault shall be settled. So the, these, these, this tribe, they didn't get land. They, they, if you want to put it, they got God. And they got his word. And then they had this awesome role of like, we get to represent the people to God. And we get to represent God back to the people and teach them about his words. What a privilege. What an honor. But again, something has gone wrong. Because now these current priests, these, these new priests that are on the scene, that they're offering polluted offerings. They're, they're, not, uh, they're not cleaning out the temple. When it talks about God there, like, you're like, that escalated quickly. When it was like, I'm just going to get the dung and spread it on your faces. You're like, well, that's a bit extreme, bro. Um, basically, part of their job was not just to offer, offer sacrifices, but they had to clean out the temple. So they had to remove everything and get rid of dung and parts and bits. And they're not doing that. They're just like, hey, we offer that and just leaving it. So the temple is gross. The temple is defiled. And he's saying, well, okay, so if you're going to defile me, I'll defile you. And by putting that on them, it means they can't actually enter into the temple because they're no longer clean. And so it's this metaphor. It's like this, this way of sort of saying, hey, if you're going to treat me like that, I'll treat you like that. And then you don't get me. The very thing that a priest is supposed to have. Now, just before you tap out because you think this is only talking about me today, because you're like, well, we're not priests, we're not pastors, we don't have leadership roles in the church. Uh, let me just remind you something that Shane taught about last, last week, which was um, now that we're in the New Testament, there are no more high priests and there is no more priestly sacrificial system. Okay, this is, this is what Hebrews 9 says. It says, when Christ appeared as the high priest... He entered once for all into the holy place, taking not the blood of goats and calves, but his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. In other words, Jesus became the once for all priest, the one who would go in representing the people to God and representing God to the people. So we have one who's done it completely for all time. So now you and I don't have to do that. So our sacrifice now is a sacrifice of praise. It is our whole lives coming back to God and going, in light of what you have done as the ultimate sacrifice, as the ultimate priest, we now come back to you. Peter goes on even further and says, in a way, it's not that there's not just there's one, but there's also there's many who are now priests. So verse 4 of 1 Peter chapter 2, it says, As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, speaking of the whole church, like living stones are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to god verse 9 he says but you are a chosen race a royal priesthood in other words it's not that there is just categories of pastor elder in the church but in some way anybody who calls himself a christian is now god's leader in the world representing people to god and representing god to people so we all lead in different ways we have different spheres of leadership. We have different places in which we leave, different capacities. But in some way, we are all priests in this world. 
which means you also need to listen to what Malachi has to say, and I especially need to listen to it as a pastor. So I want to give you four things, four comparisons that I think Malachi makes here about God's leaders. And so I want you to think about the sphere of leadership that God has given you, whether that's in the home, whether it's in the workplace, whatever that might be, every single person has influence in some way. We're leading somehow, somewhere. Think about this. So four things. Number one, God's leaders lead from grace. Verse four said, so you shall know that I've sent this command to you that my covenant with Levi may stand, says the Lord of hosts. Listen to verse five. My covenant with him was one of life and peace and I gave them to him. Who is making the covenant? Who is offering the role of priesthood? Who is giving life and peace? It is God. God is saying, I gave you the job. I rescued you from being in exile. I rescued you from slavery with the Egyptians. I gave you the the opportunity to, to not have land, but to serve in the house of God, to be near me, to be with me, to make sacrifices. Like I gave that to you. For what reason? Because they earned it? No. Because he is gracious and kind. What happens in the church is sometimes we forget the grace of God. And so the tasks of what it means to be a follower of Jesus, they sometimes move from a place of of being like, wow, this is what we get to do, to wow, this is what we have to do. And God wants to remind them, no, no, this is not a have to, this is a get to. Let me get your eyes back to what it is you get to do. Church, you get to come on a Sunday morning, sacrifice other things you could do that would be fun to come and meet with the person, Jesus, and his people, and worship him, hear from him, be ministered to by him every single Sunday. Church is not something that we have to do. Church is something that we get to do. You don't have to pray. You get to pray. You don't have to open up the book and read it and learn about God and the story of the people. We get to do this. This is what it looks like to lead from grace. It's like, man, I am not entitled to anything and God has given me everything. How could I not want to do these things? Do you see the difference? And so God's leaders lead from grace. No one else got to minister in the temple of God. No one else got to serve at the altar of the Most High God. No one got to offer sacrifices. No one got to teach the law like they did. And yet here they are acting as though it's just common. And they've lost that sense of God's grace. See, God's grace focuses on what I do have that I don't deserve. We live in entitled times. And whenever you live as an entitled person, you look at everything you don't have that you think you deserve. If you live like that, there's a word for how you will feel for the rest of your life. It's called misery. Because you will always live in a gap of I don't have, I should have. Grace is the complete opposite. Grace is I shouldn't have, I do have. And when you think about life and you have that perspective of life, you are just constantly filled with overwhelming joy because you are never grateful for anything that you think you're entitled to. This is why mums, dads, you can spend ages in a kitchen making a meal, put it towards your children, and they push it away and go, I don't like that. And you're like, 
Oh, I don't like you. Oh, that's, sorry, let me take that back. I love you. Okay, it's a sense of like, it's, it can be an entitlement thing of like, well, you do this all the time for me and I deserve that and I want better than this. It's like, but, but, but if a child, which they can't do, so kids, I love you, um, which they can't quite do yet because they're not yet parents, one day they'll be parents and they'll get it, um, to go, I don't deserve any food. I don't deserve to have a parent that would put a roof over my head. To, like, do you see the difference? And so when that meal comes, it might not be exactly, yeah, okay, it's got broccoli in it. Okay. Eat the broccoli and shut up. Okay, just just do the thing. Okay, okay. There's a few parents who are getting a little bit excited in this sermon. Um, if you read the Apostle Paul, nearly every letter he starts off with this: "I, the Apostle Paul, by the grace of God, I, chief of sinners, like like everything I'm doing for God, I don't deserve any of this." That's how he handles all of the suffering, all the persecution he has. That's why you can see even the suffering and the persecution as being blessed. Because like, I deserve way worse than that and I still get this. Leaders, God's leaders lead from grace. Number two, God's leaders lead from communion. Uh, if I was to ask you about your favorite characters in the Bible, and we'll kind of like all throw out our names of like, oh, I love doing, oh. there'll be a few things that I think would be common between all of those characters. Firstly, guarantee you all of them are flawed in some way and you've been able to identify that they're flawed yet God still used them. Two, they'll have some journey which you identify with and it's, it's a really cool journey to watch. But number three, I absolutely guarantee you, number three, there is something at the end of their story where they have faith in God despite the brokenness and despite the journey. All right? So, so we love Abraham flawed, broken. But everywhere he went, he made an altar unto God. We love Moses. We love Ruth. We love Esther. We love all of these characters in the Bible. But the thing that really draws us to them is that at the end of their life, they have faith in Jesus. They have, they have held on to God, right? And so it's a reason why Judas Iscariot is not on that list. There's a reason why these others are on our list of like, these are our heroes. These are the men. These are the women who encourage us because they have a story which shows us, which leads us to see this is what it looks like to hold on to Jesus. And so these new priests, these current priests, verse 2, will not listen, will not take it to heart. that They're not having communion with God. God's speaking to them. They have the Bible. It's there and they're not reading it. They're not communing with God, but look at Levi. My covenant with him was one of life and peace, and I gave them to him. It was a covenant of fear, and he feared me, and he stood in awe of my name. Levi and the Levites were a people who walked with God, loved God, communed with God, feared with God. Now think about how many times did Levi offer a sacrifice? Like, we don't know. Okay, but that's a lot of times doing the exact same thing over and over and over and over and over again. It looks exactly the same. You can only do this thing so many different ways to make it, like, a little bit spicier. Like, let's just mix it up a little bit. Okay, we're just going to put the worship at the end and the preaching at the beginning. Like, there's only so much you can do with a service to kind of like, oh, that was different, right? And then we do that different a little while, and then you're like, 
Well, that's kind of boring now. Like, we can keep mixing it up. Like, how many different ways did Levi's like, okay, so we're going to start with coming in on the left today, and then next time we're coming in on the right, guys, we're going to mix this thing up. How many different ways can he mix this thing up before he's like, oh, man, we're just doing the same thing, the same thing, the same thing. See, familiarity breeds contempt. It's a sense of you just get familiar with it, and it just becomes, like, common. And this is not what Levi did. This is not what the priest did. They said, we will not let this become common. Every sacrifice, every time we enter the temple, we must make sure we never lose the fear of God. We will keep the awe of God. We'll be like the seraphim that just go around the face of God. And just every time they're like, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. And they've been doing that for eternity past. And every time they circle God, they see something new. They're like, wow, Jesus talks about this in Matthew 13, where everyone's like, oh, this is, this is Jesus doing these things, is it? Yeah, okay, well, isn't he like Joseph, the carpenter's son? Isn't he Mary's son? Isn't like James and that, his brothers? Like, we know them. And then Jesus is like, yeah, the only place that the prophet has no honor is in his hometown, because everyone's so familiar with who he is that they can't see that anymore. Church, God's leaders lead from communion. We keep coming back to the book. We never get sick of hearing his grace. We never get tired of the gospel. We want to hear it. 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 We never want to tire. So we are a band that have one song and we just keep playing it. And we don't want that song to get tiresome. We want that song to get deeper and wider. So it's like, I love coming down. Okay, like, number three, God's leaders don't just lead from grace and from communion, but they also lead with God's word. So part of the role of a priest was to teach God's word. And because Levi feared God, he never loses perspective. John Bevere says this, he says, If you desire the praise of man, you will fear man. And if you fear man, you will serve him, for you always serve whatever you fear. So the, the new current priests in Malachi's time, because they fear people's perspective because they need the praise of the people because they don't want to offend people they start twisting the word of god so they won't they won't teach certain things because that might offend particular people particularly those ones who are like the big givers you know what i mean it's like oh we don't want to get them offside because we might lose that amount of money uh we we don't want to like we don't, want, we don't want to challenge this person with what God's word says because they're really influential in the community and they have influence with people. And we might lose kind of like people loving us. And somewhere along the lines, perspective has shift where God's glory is not paramount, but self-glory is. And so the new priest in verse 8, he says, but you have turned aside from the way. You have caused many to stumble by your instruction. You have corrupted the covenant of Levi. They don't fear God anymore. They have lost their awe. They fear people. And this affects how they handle their leadership. If I can just say to parents, parents, it's really, really commonplace in today's culture that the role of a parent is to be their kid's BFF. And if you want to be your kid's BFF, you will hurt their life because your job is to be mum or dad and not try to win their favor. It's not that you don't want to have friendship in that relationship, but that is not your job. Let somebody else be BFF. You be mum, you be dad. Because if, if, if they're going to be our BFF, I don't want to offend them. 
And my job is to equip and to train and to bring up my kids in the ways of God. And if I'm going to have BFF relationships with them, I'm not going to tell them when they are sinning. I'm not going to call them to obedience and following God. I will be afraid of them liking me because I want them to include me in their social media. Like I want them to want me to be on their Instagram and TikTok and all the things I don't let any of my kids have because I'm their parent and not their BFF. Love you, love you, love you so much. So they teach what scratches people's ears. They, they teach whatever makes people feel comfortable. Not only that, but they show partiality in the instructions. So in terms of like people coming and dealing with like conflicts, they treat certain ones better than others based on where they are in the hierarchy of like social priorities. And he's like, don't do that. Their view of the word of God has shifted. For, for these current priests, it's no longer Psalm 19, perfect reviving the soul, sure making the simple, right rejoicing the heart, pure enlightening the eyes, clean enduring forever, true and righteous altogether. It's no longer more to be desired than gold, even much fine guy. It's no longer sweeter than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. And it is no longer uh, moreover by them warning the servant and keeping them in great reward. They no longer, Psalm 119, treasure in their heart the word of God. Why? Because they no longer lead from grace. They no longer lead from communion. So now this is just something else. It's like, nah, this is not how Levi was. Church, have we not seen in the past, I don't know, maybe say five years, an incredible amount of big time leaders in the so-called Christian world fall. And I can tell you they didn't fall because of that, that decision here. It started way over here when they felt entitled to what they were doing. They stopped walking with the Lord and, and just coming to be with him and following him and listening to him. And then somewhere over here, platform became more important than proclaiming the truth of God. Popularity became more important than the glory of God. And this is not so with Levi. Levi led from grace. God has given this to me. What a privilege. What a joy. I get to do this. He led from communion. I love you. I never want to lose awe in you. You are majestic. I never want to take you for granted. And you have spoken. And I want to know what you have said to me. So I can help others learn to walk in your word. Because this word is powerful. This word is sure. This word is true. This word does bring life. And lastly, God's leaders lead with character. John Maxwell says that you reproduce who you are, not what you say. And as someone who uh, is a parent... And I have four children. One of the most confronting things about being a parent is that you start to see the flaws your children have that you gave them and deposited right into their... It's like, have that bad bit of me. And often I look at my kids and I'm like, why couldn't you just be more like mum? Why, why do you have to have my stuff? And it's like, they're like a mirror. You're like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> and it's the same, right? So whatever sphere of leadership you're in, 
It doesn't matter what words and slogans and strategies you can have, you will only reproduce who you are. So church, this is really confronting. If I don't love Jesus and walk with Jesus, this church will not. That's scary. Really scary. If I'm not in the book and trying to learn and trying to walk with Jesus and love this book, nor will the church. That's scary. That's confronting. These, these new priests, they're showing partiality. That they've lost integrity. They're not following God's ways. They're, they're not uh, sitting under the authority of God and being obedient. But not Levi. I love verse 6. This is what he says about Levi. He walked with me in peace, in uprightness. And out of that, he turned many from iniquity. He was a man of character. Why? Because he led from grace. He never lost grip of the grace of God. He, he walked as one who had communion with God all the time. Just walking with God, talking with God, hearing from God, thinking about God, participating in the things of God. And then he looked at the book and he read the stories. And it wasn't just something to teach others. It was something that impacted his own heart so that he started to look like and have the character of the one who this book is about. Our staff team over the past two years have been walking through two books. Uh, this year we've been looking at a book by Paul Tripp on leadership. He says this. He says, what has been entrusted to us is beautiful and life-changing in every way. No matter your ministry, your leadership position, the daily tasks that you have been assigned or the leaders who stand and work with you, it is the gospel that must be in your mind and fill your heart moment by moment as you do your work. The danger in church and ministry leadership is that something else will begin to take the place of the gospel in your mind and heart. And if it does, you will no longer value what your Savior values and your conduct uh, and will conduct, conduct yourself in a way which pleases him but pleases others. Psalm 119.11 as the band come up. Listen to the words of the psalmist. Your word I have treasured in my heart. Why? That I may not sin against you. If there is a day, if there is a time in history when we need leaders to actually have some character, like right now, like, there is so much distrust, not just in our country, but in the world, because everybody lies. And we don't know what is misinformation, disinformation, or true information anymore. We don't know. Those on the left think they know. Those on the right think they know. But the truth is, we don't know. We don't know. Why? Because everybody's lying. Nobody has integrity to just speak the truth anymore because they need to keep power. Right? It's just not like we, we've got this going everywhere, not just even in Australia, but this is all over the world. We don't know what the truth is anymore, and so we don't know who to believe and trust. We need leaders. We need Christian leaders in our society. We need you to show what it looks like to be God's leaders. And God's leaders are men and women of integrity and truth 
and honor and they don't cheat and they don't steal and they don't look for approval from men. They trust in the living God and they come and they say, we will lead in humility like our God. Church, we serve the greatest leader of all time named Jesus who had the greatest character of all time. It's why the prostitutes, the tax collectors, those on the margins came to Jesus because they're like, he is not like these other leaders. He's different. And that is our leader. Amen? And we get to serve him and we get to be like him. And that is the great call from Malachi to the church. Be like Jesus. Let's pray. God, we thank you. Uh, we thank you for your word. Uh, Lord, for without it, we would not have the story here of Malachi. Coming back to the church and warning them of like, you've just rebuilt the temple. You, you've just rebuilt the Jerusalem walls. And you've just been able to get back to having sacrifices in the temple where the presence of God is. And you're becoming apathetic. You are losing your way. Don't lose your way. And God, this is an encouragement to us who maybe for different reasons we can lose our way. We can get distracted with all sorts of things and, and the grace that is given to us by your son Jesus we, we, can, we can forget it and all of a sudden we have to do a whole lot of things rather than we get to do a whole lot of things Lord we can, we can lose that daily sense of like we can walk into the throne room of God with boldness and come and pray to you and walk with you we can open up your word and know it and see it and help others to understand it and God we can be men and women who are more like you in holiness and righteousness and Holy Spirit I pray that you would do a work in our church so that we would be your leaders we would be your men and women in this world shining a light being salt in a way that would cause others to see a distinctness and we would be able to tell them about you. And God, we thank you for your grace and your mercy and the empowerment of your spirit to do this, I pray. In your son's wonderful and precious name. Everybody said... Thank you for listening to this podcast from Life Center Church located in North Lakes. We exist to make, mature and multiply disciples in communities that depend upon, declare and display the gospel of Jesus Christ in all of life. If you would like more information about us, please visit lifecenterchurch.com.au. We provide our podcast free of charge. Please feel free to download the content and share it with others, but please do not edit or alter the content in any way without the written permission from the leadership of LCC.